Ben? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so like I said, um, last week Owen looked at um, the gospel on grace and truth and really how um, Christ didn't just come speaking about grace and truth, but actually how he came and he really embodied grace and truth. He was grace and truth. And this week we're looking at um, the gospel and the poor. And the Bible speaks about the poor in two ways. It speaks about um, the poor being, or us being poor in spirit, uh, which really means that we're sort of spiritually bankrupt and that we need saving, which is all of us. Um, and it looks about it talks about um, us being poor, the poor, just materially poor, socially poor, those types of things. And this morning, that's really what um, we're going to be looking at. We might I might emphasise or just allude to a little bit um, about poor in spirit, but mainly what I really want to look at this morning is, is actually about the poor. And I don't know about you, when you hear um, when you hear the word poor, I don't know what your immediate reaction is. Historically, my immediate reaction was um, when someone would say the poor, my first response would be to think of people with, with no money, with not much. Um, and whilst that's true, um, that's not the only thing that poor means. But that would historically be my immediate reaction. But when the Bible speaks about the poor, it speaks about other things. It speaks about the weak. It speaks about the elderly, the mentally and physically handicapped, Refugees, natural disaster victims, orphans, working poor, unemployed, and single parent family. And the Bible classes all these groups of people as poor. So this morning we're going to look at uh, what the Bible says about the poor um, and what relation the gospel has to the poor. Now I don't know about you, but um, as human beings we often have, um, have blind spots. We have areas of our lives that need to be uncovered so we can see correctly, um, and once they've been uncovered, we can adjust um, our lives um, accordingly to those things. But often they can be quite hard to identify. Um, others sometimes see them, and we can sort of rely on friends to point them out uh, to us. But the reality is that even when friends point things out to us that we can't quite, quite see ourselves, um, we sometimes struggle to admit them, um, and sometimes we look back in hindsight um, and we see that, okay, yes, we did struggle with that, but it's a little bit too late now. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, you may have friends, or maybe it's you yourself, um, that when you get paid or when you come into some money, um, often you spend it quite quickly. Um, and maybe you quite quickly can accu accumulate quite a little bit of debt or just a small amount. Um, and maybe friends point that out to you, that maybe, you know, John, that you've got a bit of an issue with sort of spending your money. I'm not talking about John Taylor, I'm just using the word John. <laughs> But maybe you have an issue with money, maybe uh, that you often just spend it a little bit too quickly and you know, quite quickly there's a small amount of debt and you just want to be a bit careful and you know, maybe John would ignore what you'd say and over a period of time that debt can mount up um, and before you know it, it's become a little bit too late because it's been a blind spot and it's something that he can't see. Or maybe another one which may be a little bit more um, close to home for some of us, maybe not, I don't know, maybe the area of putting on weight. Maybe something that, you know, we all like uh, a mince pie at Christmas, um, some jammy donuts throughout the year. Maybe that's something um, is a blind spot for some of us, that generally we, we eat too much sometimes. We can put on weight, and, but we can't necessarily see it. And someone may lovingly just point it out to us that, you know, you used to be a size 32, now you're a size 36. What's going on? Um, and it can be a little bit of a blind spot until one morning we wake up and we once was 10 stone, but now we're not 10 stone. But on a more serious note, a couple, probably about six months or so, um, God really just started to sort of push a few buttons in myself and started to, um, I guess, reveal just a blind spot um, that I had. And that blind spot was, was in my heart. Um, 
It's something that I hadn't noticed before. It's something that I actually needed to go to God um, and confess and repent and really ask for his forgiveness. And that blind spot was the poor. Um, He showed me how just over a period of years, I guess, that I'd really um, neglected the poor, not that I would despise the poor or anything like that, not that I wouldn't uh, pray for them, not that I wouldn't give money to the poor. Um, But what I would often say, I'd often say it's someone else's ministry. It's someone else's ministry. They're serving the poor. They've got a heart for the poor, so I'll just leave them alone. I'm doing other stuff. And God really started to just uncover some stuff that I didn't really know was there. Um, And I guess I would... Again, like I said, it's not that I would necessarily despise the poor, but it would be something that if a book came out by a well-known author, if it was about the poor or something like that, I I probably wouldn't read it. If it was a sermon, I would probably rather listen to something about the church or leadership or preaching um, or something like that. And I would say that my heart wasn't really for the poor, but like I said, I had to come to God and repent about that. And he started to show me through his word, through other areas, through listening to, um, through listening to other preachers, um, and just started to realize that it might sound quite obvious and glaring, but that he has a heart for the poor. And as his children, as his disciples, as his followers, um, he wants us to have a heart for the poor, and he wanted me to have a heart for the poor. You see, we probably encounter many people weekly that would be classed um, as the poor, um, and even if you don't you know, physically encounter them, you, all you have to do is open the paper, you might read a story, uh, maybe watch something on TV, a documentary, maybe see something on the internet. And it's quite difficult to avoid because the poor are all around us, especially in this country. So just to give you just a few stats to um, put into perspective what and who we're looking at uh, this morning. Um, so just a few stats from the poor in the UK. And some of you may know these, um, some of you may not. Um, Currently, the unemployment rate in the UK is currently 2.5 million people. Uh, Last year, there was 19,804 asylum applications. Currently, there's 2 million single-parent families living in Britain. And this one, which is, I found, quite shocking and and it's quite sad, um, apparently one in four have some form of mental health difficulties in the UK. And just to um, broaden our perspective a little bit, um, just a few stats on the poor worldwide. And this is really sad. There's currently 17 million orphans. Um, there's, at the moment, there's 2.2 billion children in the world, and 1 billion of them live in poverty, which is a lack of food, shelter, uh, sh- uh, money, and clothing. 4.4 million people in the majority world, which is the third world, um, nearly 60% lack basic sanitation and more than 30% have no access to clean water. 25% do not have adequate housing. 20% have no access to modern health services. And 20% of children in the world do not attend schools to 11 years old. And overall, 1.4 billion people live in poverty. And the World Bank estimates that 1.2 billion people were living in absolute poverty, which is, again, lack of food, water, sanitation, clothing, uh, shelter, healthcare, education, and information. Now, whilst I don't expect you to remember those stats, um, I just wanted to, I guess, really lay a foundation of what we're looking at. And the poor isn't just people that don't have a job or people with lack of money. But those stats are quite alarming, some of them, and they're also quite sad as well. Um, And often in the West, often um, 
you know, where the poor or where poverty maybe isn't as glaring as it is maybe in places like Africa and Asia, um, it's not necessarily staring at and jumping out um, in our everyday uh, lives. We can tend to do one of two things, and I'm, I'm generalizing here, I'm not saying that we all do this, um, but I believe just from my observations and just speaking to people and a little bit of research, um, I believe we tend to do one or two things. Firstly, we ignore the issue uh, and we carry on our lives as if there isn't a problem. Um, and secondly, we feel guilty because we, we have so much and, you know, there's so many have so little, we don't really know what to do. So we tend to do nothing. And like I said, that is not everyone, but I just believe that is just a generalization. <clears throat> and as Christians, I don't think that we should ignore the poor or ignore uh, poverty, but at the same time, we shouldn't feel uh, guilty because I don't believe that's the right response either. In Acts 17, it says that God planned the allotted periods and the time frame and the boundaries um, that where, we, where we would all live. So the fact that we have the opportunities uh, in this country to have an education, uh, to receive good health care, uh, housing and protection and probably a number of other things, um, that wasn't any of our choices. That We just happened to be born here and that was uh, preordained by God. And this morning, I, the last thing I want to do, I don't want us to make us feel guilty in any way, um, but I do, I do want us hopefully just to challenge a little bit and just provoke and maybe just broaden our horizons and just open our eyes um, to see that um, the gospel should motivate us and should compel us in word and deed to love and serve the poor. So let's pray and then we're just going to uh, delve into this a bit more. Father, we thank you that, that you're here with us this morning, God. We thank you that you love to dwell with your people. Uh, God, we do recognize that there is no good in us apart from you. And Father, that God, we, we confess our, our poorness spiritually to you this morning, God, and we know that it's only a work of your grace in our lives that has transformed us and is transforming us. God, and we um, as people want to have a heart for the poor, God, because we see it as your heart. And Holy Spirit, we just ask, I ask that you would just come upon us this morning and help us to open the eyes, open our ears to hear what you would maybe say to us this morning. I pray you would just uh, challenge and provoke, get courage and encourage and build us up this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask, would you be our teacher? Uh, this morning we're here, uh, this morning to honour you and to glorify you. So we pray be amongst us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Okay, what is the gospel? It's something that um, we hear all the time. It's something that we hear in preachers. It's something that we probably read all the time, maybe reading magazines, uh, we sing in songs. Um, we're doing a series called the 360-degree gospel. But what is the gospel? And I could stand up here for hours probably and uh, preach as much, much better than I could um, really expound what the gospel is for days and days and days and still go on and on. But in a nutshell, this is the gospel. The gospel is called the good news because it addresses the most serious problems uh, that you and I have as human beings, which is this. God is holy and he's just and you're not and neither am I. 
And when we die, we're going to stand before a just and a holy God, um, and we're going to be judged. And it's either going to be on the basis of um, our righteousness or a lack of righteousness, or it's going to be the righteousness of someone far greater than us. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived a life of perfect righteousness, of perfect obedience to God, not uh, for his own well-being, but for his people. And he's done uh, for you and for me what couldn't, couldn't possibly done um, by ourselves. And not only has he lived a life of perfect obedience, he offered himself as a sacrifice to satisfy the justice and the righteousness of God. So in a nutshell, the message of the gospel is who Jesus is and what he did. And the Bible makes it clear that we are justified not by our works, but by faith alone and faith alone only. And it's the only way that we can receive the benefit of Christ's life and death is by repenting um, and putting your trust in him. And if you do that, you're declared just by God, adopted into his family, uh, forgiven of all your sins, and you start your pilgrimage to eternity. So in a nutshell, that is the gospel. Um, and I just felt it was just really helpful just to lay a foundation of so we know what the gospel is, whilst I'm sure many of us do. Um, I just believe it's going to help us to show us where we're going this morning. So we're going to look at just a number of passages. I don't normally like doing this. I like just having one text and just speaking out of that. But we're going to look at just a couple of passages uh, this morning that hopefully that will show us how the gospel uh, motivates us and compels us to love and serve the poor. So um, I do apologize. I don't have a PowerPoint. That's because of, I had four hours sleep. Um, so if you can go to uh, Luke um, chapter 4 from verse 14 to 21. Um, and this text really just lays, I guess, the foundation of what I just want to look at um, this morning and where we're going. So it's Luke 4. If you don't have a Bible, I will read it. Um, so Luke 4, verse 14, a well-known passage. Um, so just the context, this is where Jesus has really been driven into um, the desert. He's been tempted by the enemy, but he's withheld the temptation, and we pick it up in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in his synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what we've just read is really the, um, the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry. It's his first sermon, as it, as it were. And he, he tells that the audience, the people he's speaking to, uh, that this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what I've just read, I'm the one who's come to do these things. I'm the one who's come uh, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. I'm the one who's going to do these things because the Spirit's on me and he's done this to anoint me to preach uh, good news. And it's true that Jesus came uh, for everyone, regardless of their social status. Um, but when you read through the Gospels repeatedly, you see him reaching out to those at the bottom of the social pyramid, the poor, um, women, Samaritans, lepers, children, 
prostitutes and tax collectors. And you see him eating with them, you see him uh, speaking with them, uh, praying for them. Often you'll, you'll see him healing them. So what we see just from this short passage, right at the heart of Jesus is a love for the poor. And the gospel is good news to the poor, something we hear all the time. The gospel is good news to the poor. But in Luke uh, 7.22, you don't have to turn, I'm just going to read it. Um, it says, And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preach them. If you notice that Jesus um, uh, doesn't say the poor receive money, he says that the blind get their sight back, he says the lame get mobility, the lepers get restored flesh, the dead get life, but the poor don't get unpoor. Yeah, they're still poor. Notice he says that they have the good news preached to them, though, so they're still poor, but they have the good news preached to them. And I don't think that Luke is saying that the good news is money. I don't think that he's talking about material things. Rather, he's He's talking about the treasure of Christ. He's talking about the satisfaction of, of Jesus, of, of knowing him, of who he is. They may still be poor, yet they now know Christ. So the gospel is good news to the poor. And the first thing I just want to look at uh, really this morning is, is about serving the poor. See, as Christians, we have um, a responsibility to serve the poor. The Bible teaches uh, that Christians should not only serve the poor's needs materially, uh, sorry, spiritually, but also serve them materially. So the second passage we're going to look at is in James, um, in James 2, um, verse 1 through to 4. I'll find it. Okay, James 2. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges and become judges with evil thoughts. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, see, what, what, the world, what the world does is he make, it makes these things into identities. Uh, often we can, uh, we can judge people or situations by their covers, and you know, we've often, many of us, uh, fall prey to that. But the world says that if you're poor, uh, you're a failure, uh, you're useless, um, and there's no real need for you. Uh, yet, if you have a job, if you wear nice clothes, um, if you have a car, that you're special, uh, you're a success, or you're normal. Um, and the world says that that's who you are. You are your social status, whether you're poor or whether you're rich, that's who you are. And it gives us identities, which the gospel doesn't say. But here James is saying, be careful the way the world operates and sees and does things. Be careful that it doesn't get brought into the church, because it can easily happen. There can easily be no distinction in the way the world treats the poor um, and the way that the church treats the poor. And James is saying, just be careful the way that you see things, the way that you operate. Um, and I think if we really grasp uh, the gospel, we'll have practical concerns for the poor. It just won't just be a theory or a thought that we have, but we will have genuine uh, practical concerns for the poor. A few verses later in verse 14, uh, James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith 
but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And just to, just to make it clear from this passage, it's a passage that we can really just misunderstand. Um, and we would know this, that our, our works don't produce faith. Works can't save us. Works can't gain us uh, favor with God. Um, the Bible says that works, our works are like filthy rags, really. Um, but James is saying that if our faith is not accompanied by actions, if our faith is not accompanied by works, it's useless and it's dead. So really the outworking of our faith or the result of the faith that we've received from God um, should be works. And in Ephesians, a famous passage that just finished speaks, uh, speaking about grace, how we're saved by grace, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we're created in him, we're created in Christ to do good works. And we don't serve or work for our salvation, but we do it because of our salvation. Uh, we don't serve for a position, but we do it from our position of in Christ. And it's really important that we get that and really grasp that which is the gospel. And James gives um, an illustration of what faith without works looks like in everyday life. Uh, he says the phrase, go in peace, be warmed, be filled. And that's quite a nice wish and a nice prayer um, for, for the sake of the poor. But in reality, it's a, it's a bit of a cop-out, really. It's, it sort of masks, I guess, the type of refusal to, to help the person in need. He says, what good is it? How does it profit them or how does it benefit them? So if we say to the poor, you know, I hope you find somewhere warm to stay tonight. You know, I hope that you get some clothes. I hope you get some food. Um, you know, I'm praying that you get those stuff. Um, but if we don't do anything to help, if we generally can help them and we don't do anything to help, that doesn't really benefit them at all. So we must serve the poor, uh, not just think it's a good idea or a theory or yeah, that's quite good, but someone else is doing that. But we... Um, we shouldn't just say nice things to them, but actually we should, we should serve the poor, not cheer them up. We should serve the poor. And here James is specifically talking about the poor, but uh, also our, our, our faith must produce works in all areas of our life. And here at Beacon, just a great way, like many of you know, um, to serve the poor is to get involved in food bank. Um, it's something that's been going for, I think, it's seven or eight months now. Um, and again, when I, when I first heard that we were doing food bank, I didn't know anything about it. Um, obviously, Owen was sort of banging on about it quite a bit. Um, and I was thinking, what is it? So then when I sort of found out what it was, um, again, my immediate response was, Some, someone else can do that. Someone else can do that. Am I really going to give up a Saturday to do that, a Saturday morning? Um, that's family day, which it is. Um, but am I really going to want to give up a Saturday for that? And like I said, God really just started to speak to me about about the poor and, I guess, how I neglected um, them. And I thought just a response, okay, well, one of the ways that I can respond to this is maybe get involved in food bank. And it, I guess it, it was a start. And just, I mean, I've probably been doing it for about three or four months now, and I've been doing it longer. It's really been a, it's been a great experience just going on Saturday mornings, just speaking to people who may be uh, a little bit more disadvantaged than myself and just, just hearing their stories, just being able to share, um, share the gospel, um, and also serve them and see them take away bags of food. It is a real brilliant experience. Even yesterday, I was just uh, chatting to a guy, um, and he just very quickly just opened up and told me pretty much his whole life story, 
Um, I won't go into details, but it was really, it was really quite moving. Um, I had an opportunity, again, just to listen to what he was saying, just to, to chat with him, um, and in the end, just, just share a bit of the gospel and just pray for him, and very, very open, very open to hearing the gospel, hearing what I have to say, um, and hopefully he'll come next week. But not only do it, is it great just being there to serve the poor, it, it also what I found, it, it does something for your soul as well. You know, you're, you're listening to people and you're, you're sharing the gospel and you're thinking, isn't this what we're supposed to be doing? Isn't this what we're supposed to be doing? And uh, not that I go and go there to get my kicks or anything, but I go there and whilst I'm there, I come away thinking, well, what a good two or three hours spent chatting to people and serving the poor. Um, so Bill's just going to come up. Bill's been doing food bank a bit longer than myself and just going to share just a bit about just a few stories. Um, go for it, Bill. Yeah, I think it is working. Hello again. Um, so me, Jen, Sam and Cherry, we've been doing food bank since we got involved. We went along to the original training meeting. Um, we, we decided once we heard about it to do it because in our own story, we have been right on the edge of desperate need and graciously God rescued us from that. So we thought, well, we want to be a part of that. We want to help rescue other people who are in need. Um, <clears throat> so we went along. We, we've, been, yeah, we've been doing it from the beginning. Um, generally, we help out in the, in the stock room out the back. So we, we get the red card. We put the food bags together based on a shopping list and we give the food out. And quite often the reaction is, wow, this is so much food. Are you sure? Yep, yep, that's all for you. It's just, that's enough. That's what you're meant to be getting. Uh, when we can, we try to find out more about the people because we've got a mixture of different cultures and ages and what kind of things they want. So quite often we have lots of um, like powdered yam and different types of flour. So it's like, is any of this interesting to you? Because I have no idea what it does. <laughs> and it will last a while. Um, and sometimes it's nice when people, when we've got a bit of time to let people be a bit fussy as well, just because, you know, they're in need and... It's nice to give people sometimes a, a, just a little thing that will make them just that little bit happier, like Nescafe instead of Kenko or something like that. You know, if it's big to them, that's fair enough. Um, on the one occasion where I've been out the front, I spoke to a dad. He was a single dad. His wife left him uh, looking after two young boys, so I could completely relate because that was kind of my upbringing. Um, and... He just completely opened up straight away. He was crying on my shoulder. He was telling me all about his upbringing and trying to bring up these two boys. And he was struggling because the, the, the classic trap, well, I need to go to work to earn money, but that money's going on childcare, so I can't really afford to go to work, so I need to stay at home and stuck in this horrible, horrible cycle. Um, so I was just talking to him, prayed with him. I took his address and I posted him a book that I thought would be really helpful for him. Um, um, yeah, we take the kids with us. It's really good for them. We take them so they can see that actually life isn't all rosy and cosy and nice and that mm. everyone be looked after forever, that actually it is quite tough in the world. Um, and it, I think it's good for the people who come in as well because they're really disarming and they're like, look at my drawing and look at my pony and my doll and <laughs> it just kind of takes the edge off of it a little bit for them. Um, and yeah, we keep on doing it. It's really good. We find it whilst it's a big chunk of our time and we pretty much write that whole day off, um, it is just a really big blessing and it kind of keeps us grounded, reminds us of where we've come from. Um, and yeah, it, it does 
it, is, it feels like what we should be doing. It really feels like while we're there, we are, we are being hands and feet. We are doing what we were commanded to do, which is to remember the poor. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. <coughs> okay, so we've, we've looked at just serving the poor. I just want to spend the last sort of few moments um, looking at loving the poor and really the difference, I believe. Um, so uh, the final passage, if we go to, if you want, or listen to me, we're going to go to 1 John. Uh, 3, verse 16 uh, to 18. So 1 John 3. Okay, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And this passage is 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 actually quite similar to the one that we looked at in James. Um, Yet here John is emphasising just something a little bit different. He's emphasising that we shouldn't just serve the poor and give to those in need, but we must do it from a place of love. So we shouldn't just serve the poor, but actually we must love the poor. And I believe it's possible to serve the poor um, and not really love them, to help them, um, but not really, really care about them. And I guess that was, I guess that was me. That's what I would have done. Um, and it might sound just a little bit harsh that we can, we can serve the poor yet not love them. Um, but just think about this for a moment. Think about the amount of people that go to church um, in the UK or just worldwide that are currently probably serving. Um, yet there's probably no real love for God. Um, they're just what we call churchgoers. There was no real love for his church either. They probably would serve because they think they should do or um, it's a good thing or maybe they think that they're going to get uh, favour with man or favour with God. Um, but there's no real love there. Their, their heart hasn't been affected uh, by the love of God. Their heart hasn't been won over uh, by his grace, yet there's just serving. Now, I don't think that happens at Beacon, but I, I think if you look at the church, that often you can, you can see that. So it looks good on the outside, and maybe people are doing a noble thing, but um, like I say, their hearts are cold, are cold towards God. Their motives are not what they should be. And again, that goes with anything. We can do anything um, uh, for the wrong reasons or for the wrong motives. But just listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow, quite harsh words uh, from Jesus. But at the point I'm saying that we're, we're called to love everybody around us, uh, regardless of their social status or where they come from, what they've done, what they look like. Um, and that includes the poor. But a, lot, a bit like what um, Dave prayed earlier, it is, it's easier to love people who are similar to us, but it's a little bit harder to love people that maybe haven't came from the same background, maybe aren't as educated as us. Basically, it's harder to love people that are different uh, from us. Uh, but if we serve the poor, that doesn't, again, like I said, doesn't necessarily mean that we love the poor. But I believe that if we genuinely love the poor, we will want to serve them. I believe that if we genuinely love the poor people around us, we will want to serve the poor. Verse 16, John tells us, uh, what love is and how we can know that. A famous scripture, he says that Christ has laid down his life 
for us, and because of that, that we ought to lay down our life um, for the brothers. But true love is not only revealed um, in this supreme sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, whilst that is the main way um, love has been revealed to us. That's not the only way. It's also expressed in all, uh, in all the lesser givings. Not many of us are called to lay our down lives in, I guess, in a heroic act of sacrifice, but we constantly have much more of an ordinary task um, and an opportunity to share our possessions, our time, um, our energy and our money with those in need. A guy called C.H. Dodd says this, Love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for our own life to enrich the life of another. Love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for our own life to enrich the life of another. And John says that if anybody has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And there's two things I just want to observe from that. Um, and if we observe these points, we, 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 it sort of puts us in a place of, place of responsibility, actually. So if we look at the first one is actually that we must see our brother's needs first. We must see our brother's needs or our sister's needs. Um, not merely just look at them uh, briefly or give them a glancing look. We must really see um, our needs. We must look long enough to really appreciate and understand the circumstances um, of a person's situation. Uh, we must listen to people, take time to engage with them, um, and actually get close enough to see, okay, what are, what are your real needs? Not, again, sit from a distance, but get close to see what their real uh, needs are. And secondly, we must be better off. See, if we see a people, you know, someone's need um, and we have the means to supply it, um, surely we just can't stand by. Now, I do appreciate you know, there are so, there's so much so much need out there, so we do have to have wisdom in, in what we give and what we don't give and how we do it, um, and we do need real wisdom in that, but at the same time, uh, the church and individuals um, should respond to those needs. I believe that we are called to do that. In Genesis, God said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing. I will bless you and make you a blessing. So God, he does, you know, the Lord wants to bless us. Uh, he wants to do good things to us in order that everything he does in us and everything that he blessed us can flow out and bless other people. Um, and I want to suggest uh, to us that if we, if we do close our hearts to the poor, one thing is certain. John says, the love of God is not in us. John says that, not me. So God's love was revealed um, in the death of Christ, but it dwells, or at least it should do, it should dwell in his people, it should dwell within Beacon Church, it should dwell in us, not merely to be just understood as a display once in Christ, once major sacrifice, but continue active in the life of his followers. And finally, in this section, um, John says, protesting against it isn't enough. Saying that, okay, there's the poor, there. protesting against it isn't enough. Actions speak louder than words, as we know. And it's the, it's the same in marriage. If I was to say to Shah that, okay, I love you, I love you, but I didn't show her, I'd probably get a slap. You know, we have to show our loved ones, brothers, sisters, spouses, that we love them. Can't just say those words. We have to demonstrate. Actions do speak louder than words. He says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So if our love for the poor is to be genuine, it will inevitably be positive and active. If our love for the poor is to be genuine, if it's really affected our hearts, inevitably it's going to be positive and it will be active. So if we love the poor and not just 
serve them, but really love them. Um, we will care not just about their material needs. Yes, of course we will. Um, but we will also care about their spiritual need as well. We will also care the fact that, yes, we can serve you, we can love you with, with stuff. But ultimately, you need more than stuff. Um, we can show them their need for a saviour. And we can point them, not only give them Hovis bread, but we can show them the bread of life. So we love the poor and serve the poor because it's the heart of Jesus. That's why we do it. That's why we're called to do it. See, not only has he uh, blessed many of us with great wealth compared to the rest of the world, um, he's done something greater than that. He says that he's laid down his life for us in order that we may have life. He's given something that we don't deserve. He says, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. So we see that uh, Christ was rich beyond our complete imagination. We can't comprehend the riches of Christ, yet he came down and became poor for us in order that we uh, could become rich. And the gospel motivates us and it compels us uh, to love the poor and to serve the poor. And if we love them, the outworking of that will be serving them with a heart full of love, uh, compassion, grace and mercy and extending that which we've received ourselves. And when, when they see that, when the poor see that, okay, we are serving them because we genuinely love them, there's a door that opens up where we can share the gospel, we can present the gospel, we can present the good news of Christ, and we can meet their needs materially and spiritually, or at least point them uh, to who they need uh, to meet. So just to conclude, uh, let's serve the poor because we love the poor. Let's serve them because we love the poor. Uh, let's pray for the poor but let's not stop at that. Where you see a need and you generally have the means to meet it, like I say, with wisdom, try and meet it. Try and meet the needs that you see, whether that's people at work, whether that's family, whether that's friends, uh, whether it is people on the street, whether it is at a food bank. Um, let's try to get close uh, to the poor so we can see the need and generally try uh, to meet that. And I would, I would encourage you to, if you've never been to food bank, at least just come along just see what it's like. You don't have to commit to anything. Um, although Becky might grab you as soon as you walk in the door and give you a T-shirt. But I would just encourage you just, just to come along and just see what it's like. You're not signing up for anything. But like I said, it is a great place um, where you can serve. And like I say, it does something uh, for you. And I, again, what Bill said, I think we'd be an obedient if we do uh, serve the poor. But like I say, there are other contexts as well. But I think if we love and we're passionate about Jesus... We should love and be passionate about the poor because he was and he still is. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, um, we see that your heart is for the poor. And Father, we come, uh, just in, I come just in humility, God, asking that you would... Um, Remind us, God, that everything, like I said earlier, is from you. And God, everything is a gift of your grace to us. But Father, I pray that you'd um, just stir our hearts to uh, love and serve those who are in need. And God, and give, um, whether it be time, money, energy, uh, to people who are um, a little bit less disadvantaged than us, oh God, that we would serve them from a place of love. Uh, because you love the poor, oh God, and you came for the poor, to preach good news to them. 
So, Father, I pray that you do that in us as a church, God. I thank you uh, for your grace to us. Oh, God, we thank you that we can come here uh, this morning and worship you, God. And most of us um, uh, are warm, have clothes, have food, oh, God. And we're, we're grateful for that, God. We don't take that um, for granted, oh, God. And Father, I pray that just as we, as we leave from here, God, you'd help us to, uh, as Bill said, to remember the poor, God, where we see a need, where we can meet it, even if it's just a small act of kindness, oh, God, help us uh, to remember the poor and do that, God. And we, and we want to serve you, Father. We want to serve you with gladness. God, we never want to do anything out of duty, uh, God. So we, uh, we serve you from our position in Christ, not for our position or try to gain a favor from you because we know that we've gained favor uh, through Christ's sacrifice. So, Father, we just commit ourselves uh, to you this day. Uh, we bless your name, and we thank you for who you are, O oh God. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.